Welcome everyone to the Fantasy and Betting Podcast presented by the 33rd Team. I'm your host as always, Josh Larkey, and you can find me on Twitter at jlarkeytweets. And always, and today, I am joined by Ryan Reynolds, the Associate Director of Fantasy and Betting at the 33rd Team. But today, we will not be talking very much fantasy or betting. We are going to be talking real NFL football because we released a post on social media with our team tiers. We power ranked all 32 teams. That is an essential part of predicting win-loss records for each team. Turns out fantasy points do not win NFL games. So we had to come at this from a real NFL angle. The way that uh, these tiers work is we have eight tiers we're going to run through. The tiers are division agnostic. We are simply trying to evaluate how teams would perform against each other on a neutral playing field. And I know people get hung up on divisions, uh, easy, hard division. All right, everyone, at the end of the day, 11 of 17 games are out of the division. Two thirds of the season does not have to do with the division in terms of opponents. And this tier system is essentially how we went about our win-loss records. Ryan, let's let's do something different for this one. Instead of the, the how are you doing, I just want you to tell me which team you're most excited to talk about because we had some delusional fans on Twitter. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to give you a cluster, Josh. The 49ers I'm looking forward to, the Ravens I'm looking forward to, okay. and I think at the end, Tampa Bay is something that I'm looking forward to as well. Yeah, I think we're going to ruffle some feathers with uh, facts, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So before we dive in, though, I just want to mention, we've, we've kind of hinted at it, we do have win-loss predictions for all 32 teams with write-ups, with strength of schedule analysis on the33rdteam.com. It's also all over our Twitter accounts at this point. Make sure you check that out. It's a free-to-read article. And then there's another free-to-read article where it's the process behind it all and where you can see the exact win probabilities we have assigned for each team for all 272 games that will be played in 2023. All you have to do is give us an email address and then boom, you get dozens of hours of work. And I, I think that I'd, I'd put our, our win predictions in that process up against anyone in the industry right now. So it's time to dive in. At, at tier one, we have four teams. We, we think of these teams as the obvious Super Bowl contenders. There's no major holes in these teams. It is the four best quarterbacks in the NFL. And these are four of the five best rosters. The Kansas City Chiefs, Philadelphia Eagles, Cincinnati Bengals and Buffalo Bills in that order. Ryan, anything to add about these four teams at the top? No, like you said, Josh, I think we have a lot to talk about after this tier, but for this one, I think it's I think it's pretty low-hanging fruit, pretty obvious. This is where things get interesting because a lot of people took issue with tier two. Think of these as nearly the elite contenders. These are all very good teams. They could all win the Super Bowl. All of them have some type of flaw or question mark associated with them. And first at the top, one of our most controversial the San Francisco 49ers lead tier two, but they are not in tier one. Ryan, why, why is this? I mean, we have to look at two things for the team that's won, went to the NFC Championship in three of the last four years. One, we don't know who their opening day starter is going to be at quarterback. It's fairly important, I'd say, Josh. Two, the, the 49ers have bled talent on their offensive line two years in a row now. They lost McGlinkley at right tackle this year. Where if you look at their offensive line, they're a Trent Williams injury away from being like a bottom five unit. You know, love the roster, top five roster. Love the coach, Kyle Shanahan, but the floor for this team's a little less stable than I think people realize. Yeah, I think what I I told someone on Twitter, because they said, what would it take for the Niners to get into tier one? And I said, we will move you up to tier one when training camp comes and Brock Purdy is throwing really well. If that is the case, you guys can enter tier one. Until that happens, though, there is uncertainty who your week one starter is at the most important position in all of sports, quarterback. Next in this tier, 
is the New York Jets. I mean, for the Jets, I, I think it's a pretty interesting situation. Last year, they were a top five defense. They're all young, excellent secondary, excellent pass rush. But they went through last year with a mix of Joe Flacco, Mike White, and Zach Wilson at quarterback. Even though Aaron Rodgers is much closer to the end than the beginning of his career, he's won four MVPs, he's an enormous upgrade, and he automatically makes the Jets a team that can beat anyone. A lot of people say, oh, it's the Jets. The Jets are going to jet. I heard that comment a lot on Twitter. Let me lay this out for everybody. We can all agree the Jets nearly made the playoffs last season. Zach Wilson started nine games for them. More than half their games were started by one of the worst quarterbacks of recent memory. That quarterback will be replaced with Aaron Rodgers. Mike White games, replaced with Aaron Rodgers. Joe Flacco, replaced with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers in a top five defense. I don't think too much more needs to be said. The offensive line seems to be the only major question mark with this team. Next up in tier two is the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think either of us were crazy about their draft, but they got better this offseason. They added Brandon Cook, which gives them a speed element they didn't have last year. They added Stephon Gilmore to their cornerback group, which gives them a pretty good pair of duos, on a pretty good cornerback duo on the perimeter. And the, the, at the end of the day, too, if we're talking about contenders in the NFC, Dallas is the third more stable team in the conference. I would say that at this point, a lot of people say, oh, Dak Prescott is their biggest flaw. I actually think the biggest question mark, and you'd probably agree with this, is Mike McCarthy as coach. Kellen Moore was the offensive coordinator in 2021. They scored the most points in the NFL. In 2022, they scored the fourth most points in the NFL. That does not seem like the offensive coordinator that you should be letting go, who is now on the Chargers. So that, that seems like the biggest question mark, and that will take us to the next team in tier two, which is the Los Angeles Chargers. There were some people that were a little bit surprised at how high the Chargers were because they haven't done much recently. But at the end of the day, we have Justin Herbert with a good offensive line with premium talent surrounding him in Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, first round pick, Quentin Johnston, Austin Eckler in the backfield, Gerald Everett at tight end. There, there are weapons galore at this point. Josh Palmer might be the best wide receiver for in the NFL. He had 750 receiving yards last year and he is barely going to play if everyone stays healthy. The defense is loaded with playmakers. We've got Derwin James, who is probably the only player in the NFL that can kind of cover Travis Kelsey. We have Joey Bosa. There, there are game wreckers throughout this defense. JC Jackson was injured much of last year. Yes, that might have been a bad signing, all things considered. That's still one of the NFL's better corners. This is a premium, premium roster. And now they have offensive coordinator Kellen Moore from the Cowboys to provide stability there. What else do you want to add with the Chargers? I think one thing you have to think about with the Chargers is they play one-score games against Patrick Mahomes twice a year virtually every season now. They can play with anyone. They can hang with anyone. They can beat anyone. They belong in this tier, no question. Next up, this was another one that surprised a few people. I don't think it's a hot take. Why are we so high on the Miami Dolphins? I mean, the Dolphins have a lot of things going for them in, in, in a positive direction. Mike McDaniel's an innovative play caller. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell is, you know, if we're talking about the toughest wide receiver duos to game plan for in the history of the league, they're right in the conversation. Game-breaking speed across the offense. And then on defense, they added Vic Fangio. They added Jalen Ramsey. All of a sudden, they have a top five-ish type secondary with a top 10-ish type pass rush with one of the best defensive play callers in, in the league. So now with Miami, you're looking at a top 10 offense that is a top five defense. So the ceiling, the, the floor is a little scary, especially with two is health concerns, but the ceiling is pretty considerable for this squad. Yeah, in terms of the question mark, let, let's think about it like this. If Tua plays all 17 games, nobody wants to face the Dolphins on Sunday. We are essentially just betting on Tua's health, and they still have Mike White, a competent backup. Closing out Tier 2, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Trevor Lawrence is going to be a perennial MVP candidate on this team. They have a pretty solid skill group. 
Their offensive line's a little worse this year than it was last season, but it's still in, in solid shape. Their defensive front's interesting because they're young and fast, so they could take a step forward where their secondary's the biggest concern on the team. And then, you know, I, I know you keep saying that uh, we're not factoring in division strength and stuff like that for these rankings, but the Jaguars have the clearest path to winning their division out of anyone else in the league. They really do. That That may be a bet that we've recommended taking on the site. So make sure that you check out division and win total bets to consider on the 33rd team.com. I wrote up five, two division winner bets. We like one of them is the Jaguars spoiler alert. We explain why in that article. And then there's two win total overs or sorry, one win total over and one win total under that we like. And then there's a very interesting parlay where you can choose which team will get first and which team will get second in a division at some nice plus odds that I think we would also pretty strongly recommend considering. But now, one more thing to mention, because this is a newer podcast, make sure that you give us five stars in Apple and Spotify. Leave a review if you feel the need to. This is all free content. Right, Ryan and I are taking time out of our day to provide free content. Obviously, we need to get paid somehow. We will have paywalled content coming soon. This is a nice, convenient way for you to support the show in a free way and to support our efforts is simply leaving us five stars and listening on Apple and Spotify. So thank you. The one thing I'll add to the Jaguars before we move on, a lot of people said this is just off. You sure this roster is good? It's It's just the division. This isn't just that we have Trevor Lawrence, who, like you said, perennial MVP candidate. I would argue they have a top five group of skill players surrounding him. Travis Etienne, Christian Kirk, Kelvin Ridley, Evan Engram, Zay Jones. You would be hard pressed to find five teams with a deeper group of starting skill players than that. They even have Tank Bigsby at running back who they took in the third round. That would be a nice compliment to Etienne. The, the defense is fine. This offense is going to put up a lot of points. And I think they're kind of the, the sneaky team to lead the NFL in scoring in 2023. Let's now move to tier three. Think about these teams as they are contenders. We like all these teams. I want to get that out there. This is this is tier three. These are clearly some of the best teams. We expect them to make the playoffs. All three of these teams, we expect to make the playoffs. I'll say that one more time. Let's start with a team we've both been high on this whole offseason. And the roster looks better and better by the week at this point. Talk about the Seahawks. Yeah, I mean, we we wrote up Seahawks futures bets a week after the Super Bowl because they had a ton of draft capital ent- entering this draft, two first round picks, two second round picks. They also had a ton of cap space. So what we were looking at here is this team was a nine win wild card last year, and they had a very clear path of significantly improving their roster. That's exactly what they've done on both sides of the ball, but especially on defense. Their defense, they've added four, five, six guys that can make an impact on their defense this season. This is another one like the Jaguars. I mean, who is stopping the Seahawks offense where it's a good offensive line, Geno Smith, Kenneth Walker, and Zach Charbonnet in the backfield, and then DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith, and Jigba at receiver. This offense is so good that Noah Fant might barely play. And I think we both believe he's a pretty good player. So that is just the state of this offense overall. Let's now turn to the Detroit Lions. So this was another one that we got a lot on Twitter, a lot of pushback. Oh, it's the Lions. Lions gonna lion. Have you seen the history of this team? If we are looking objectively, this team has a top five offensive line, a stable quarterback in Jared Goff, elite weapons on offense. They took Jameer Gibbs at pick 12 at running back. While that might've been a reach for real football, he's also one of the few running backs that probably matters. Think of him as supercharged DeAndre Swift. That, that is how we should look at Jameer Gibbs. They have Amon Ross St. Brown. Jameson Williams is suspended six games, but he'll be there week seven onward. We have tight end Sam Laporta, an athletic freak who they took at the start of the second round. 
On defense, one of the NFL's worst defenses has major upgrades at about half of the positions from free agency and the draft. What else do you want to add to what looks like the clear best team in the NFC North? I mean, I have two things to add. First is they're very well coached, especially on offense. I mean, you know, on Thanksgiving, they gave Buffalo all they could handle. They went into Green Bay in a winner in game for the Packers and knocked off Aaron Rodgers on Sunday Night Football in this regular season finale. You know, every year there's a there's a kind of a popular, you know, this team's going to make the playoffs this year and they missed last year team. And, you know, Detroit's that team and they're probably going to get in this year. Let's not turn to the Ravens. Ravens fans are furious. Why do you hate our team? You put them in tier three. You don't know ball. Ryan, explain why you might actually understand the Ravens situation quite objectively. So here's the thing with the Ravens. I bet on Lamar Jackson to win the MVP at 50 plus one odds. I had four tickets on him the year he won the MVP years ago. I like Lamar Jackson. I call him Weapon X. The only other guy in the history of the game that's really like him is Mike Vick. That said, Lamar Jackson's never breached 3,200 yards passing in a year. He's missed 10 games over the last two seasons. And Odell Beckham, Zay Flowers, and Rashad Bateman doesn't exactly sound... I'm not as enthusiastic about that as other people are. I think they're better. They're a more well-rounded wide receiver group than he's ever played with. But that's not exactly like setting my hair on fire, Josh. Then on defense, the the Ravens are a model of consistency on defense. But their four-man pass rush isn't exactly awe-inspiring. And their secondary has been steadily getting worse over the last several years. So Baltimore is good. And, you know, I don't even have a problem with the argument that maybe they belong in Tier 2. Because maybe they do. But... I think there's more paths to failure, especially with a new offensive system being broken out this year. So they have a new offensive coordinator. There's probably going to be some growing pains there. How many playoff games has Lamar Jackson won? Absolute zero to this point, Josh. Oh, interesting. Okay, I just wanted to make sure because some people out there were like, do you not know what the Ravens have done, this and that? Well, since Lamar Jackson's MVP season, he's kind of been the QB 10, QB 12 for real life. He's been good. He has not been great. And uh, we, we will see. Definitely a team that could make some noise. Maybe they'll prove us wrong that we should have them in tier two, but those are the concerns and why they're in tier three. Let's now turn to tier four. While tier three was kind of the the last group of teams that we think has a real chance to be a true Super Bowl threat, this next tier is filled with three of the teams with a pretty wide range of outcomes. So I'd say tier four, think of these as teams that could pretty easily finish with losing records, teams that could pretty easily win 10 games if a couple things go right. Let's start off at the top with your New York Giants. Yeah, I mean, Giants fans have been looking for stability in their football organization for nearly a decade now, and Brian Dabble and general manager Joe Shane have brought that to the table. I actually love their offseason. That said, their their schedule is brutal. If you look at their schedule from an objective standpoint, like two and six is very much on the table. And while, you know, the additions of guys like Paris Campbell are actually upgrades for this team, they still don't exactly have an elite group of pass catchers either. Yeah, it should be a, a good offense, probably not great, slightly more efficient than last year. And I, I think on defense, when when I've looked at least, it seems like there's still enough potential holes in the secondary that I it does not look like this is going to be one of the NFL's best defenses. So we're looking at, I would say, a good football team. Let's move now to the Cleveland Browns. I actually fielded a question on Twitter, and I, I think this answer was instructive. Someone said, can you explain a little bit more about why the Browns are in tier four? What do you think about Sean Watson? And I kept it simple. I said, if 2020 Deshaun Watson returns, this is a tier two team. If 2022 Deshaun Watson returns, this is a tier six team. Tier four is splitting the middle. What else do you want to add about a fairly talented Browns roster? Uh, You just nailed it there, Josh. This this season boils down to which version of Deshaun Watson shows up. 
The one thing I'll add is Miles Garrett's an elite pass rusher that very few very few teams have access to a difference maker like him. And Cleveland's in play for the best offensive line in, on the league. They're definitely a top five unit. So those are the, those are the foundations of the roster. If Watson returns to his old self, they're a very very dangerous team. I would say that in this case, Ryan and I are actually quite bullish on Watson and the Browns. Us keeping them in tier four is recognizing that we could just be wrong on Deshaun Watson, but I think we would both lean towards him still being very, very good at football. The final team in this tier, the Denver Broncos, who I get to hear a lot about as a resident of Denver. Talk to us about why Denver fans should not expect them to remain in the basement in 2023. I think we're pretty aligned on this. Russell Wilson was at least a borderline Hall of Famer when he got sent to Denver last season. He had a terrible season. He finished much better than he started. Now we get Sean Payton to help him fix things. So I think we're both looking at a bounce back season for Russell Wilson. The division's certainly concerning, you know, four games against the Chargers and the Chiefs, but Denver also has a pretty good pass defense as well. You know, good pass rush, quality secondary. There's a couple paths to this team being a wild card contender this year. Just to reiterate what Russell Wilson's first year looked like. So in addition to him moving teams, he then plays with a head coach who gets fired midseason. All four of his starting receivers suffers significant injuries. Remember, Tim Patrick didn't play, injured in the preseason. KJ Hamler barely played. Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy each missed significant time with injuries as well throughout the year. Top running back, Javante Williams, tears the ACL. Second running back, Melvin Gordon, is cut. The offensive line underperforms throughout the season, probably in part due to coaching. I'm not saying, Ryan is not saying that Russell Wilson was playing great football throughout last year, but considering his track record, like with Watson, we want to lean on that history of success. Russell Wilson, not quite at the declining age yet. Denver added Ben Powers, a guard, and Mike McGlinkey at right tackle. Big upgrades on their offensive line. We're talking, you know, they were a 25th in the league type unit last year. They're like a fringe top 10 unit with those two additions now. Before we move on to tier five, there's a few more articles on the site. As if you didn't think we had enough schedule win total type analysis, Ryan released an amazing article. I read it last night. It was put up on the site earlier than I think anyone else out there. I mean, Ryan analyzed the top 10 head coaches most likely to get fired, discusses which ones he'll consider betting on, which ones he recommends staying away from. Those odds will drop soon in the betting markets. And I quite frankly just hadn't read a piece quite like it before. I would recommend that everyone do the same. We tag teamed an article, the easiest early season fantasy schedules. So looking at the first month of the season, some teams set up for success, some passing units set up for early success. And then Ryan also released an article about preparing for the fantasy playoffs weeks, 15, 16, and 17, looking at streamers, game environments to target all the type of stuff that will help you when you're on the margins in your fantasy draft, choosing between two players. This is the type of article that will help you intelligently make those decisions. Let's turn to tier five. Tier five at this point, we are no longer in the playoff caliber teams. And I want everyone to understand one thing though. You have, No one here has heard an NFC South team mentioned yet. So you might say, well, someone has to win the NFC South, which is correct. However, part of a power rankings process, part of being able to predict who is winning which game is thinking about these teams on neutral playing fields. Obviously, we're going to have a division winner projected in the NFC South. Obviously, those win totals in that division will be inflated compared to talent because they get to play each team in the division twice. But I want everyone to keep that in mind. That when we say none of these are playoff caliber teams, that means in an average division, I understand the Saints, the Falcons might win this division. You throw that team in the NFC East, AFC West, AFC North, I, I go, almost every division in football, honestly. 
These teams finished third or fourth. So let, let's just get that out of the way. And now we can dive into tier five. Our first team in tier five is the Minnesota Vikings. And this is shocking to so many people because they remember that the Vikings went 13 and four last season, which is correct. I also remember that the Vikings played in 11 games that ended within one score. The Vikings won all 11 of those games. That generally doesn't happen year to year. And some people out there say, oh, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Have you heard of clutch? Well, I don't think you understand because if Kirk Cousins was actually clutch, then he wouldn't have the most primetime losses of any quarterback since 2015, his first year as a full-time starter. Kirk Cousins is not clutch or else he would not lose all of his primetime games. The Vikings are the biggest regression candidate in football, maybe in football history, a 13 and 14 that scored fewer points last year than their opponents. Ryan, talk to me about the state of this roster. Now that we've laid into why this was the most fraudulent 13 win team in NFL history. I mean, I love what you just said about regression, especially since like, say if Patrick Mahomes was a Vikings quarterback, we wouldn't be as concerned about them regressing from 11 and 0 one score victories last year. But since they have cursed cousins, who's a good quarterback, but not quite a great one, you know, maybe that turns to four and seven. I think that's more likely than a repeat of like nine and two or 11 and 0. From a roster standpoint, Minnesota has an excellent group of skill position players, although, you know, Dalvin Cook's tenure with the team seems to be a little shanky right now. Solid offensive line. Defensively, though, I mean, if you watched the wild card round last year, Daniel Jones just tearing up the Minnesota Vikings, just throwing five-yard drags that they weren't covering. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. To tack on to that, too, Mac Jones blew up the Vikings on Thanksgiving night last year in and a, and a sophomore season where he struggled against everyone else. Brian Flores takes over the defensive play calling, which should be an upgrade for them, but they're still working for a working with a pretty dicey secondary in Minnesota. Keep in mind, everyone, we have them two full tiers below the Lions. That is truly what we think. The betting markets generally agree. The Lions are clear division favorites, and the win totals are different as well. The Vikings are no longer the class of the NFC North. They had their one year. It was Packers, 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 Vikings, and now it is the era of the Lions. Next on this list is. Another NFC North team. What the heck is going on? So the Bears win three games. They have a good offseason. And then we suddenly put them right next to the Vikings. Explain why this actually makes a ton of sense. Well, first, I'm going to start with a question for you, Josh. Did any team in the league improve their offense and defense more than the Bears this offseason? No, we, we talk about that in a couple articles on the site. This is the most improved team from last year to this year. Sorry, Falcons fans. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a couple other teams in contention, but I, I would put the Bears up at the top of that list. They won a lot. They lost a lot of close games when Justin Fields was healthy last year. They went on a four or five game stretch where they were an elite offense with Justin Fields last year, despite having a medi mediocre pass protecting offensive line, despite having probably the worst wide receiver core in the league last season, which they've massively upgraded this year. And then on top of that, I, I don't know about you, Josh, but I was not expecting Justin Fields to mimic Lamar Jackson as a runner last year. That was one of the biggest surprises of the 2022 season. And, you know, there's clear pass to him improving as a passer, and they were already a borderline elite offense for stretches last year. And on top of that, added an excellent linebacker duo where they might have the best linebacker duo in the league now. Pass rush is still dicey. The secondary has some high-quality players. The defense at the end of the year was one of the five or so worst. Now, you know, we're talking more like a middle-in-the-pack group. So while we have the Vikings above the Bears, I'm going to spoil something for everyone out there. And I think it's why you want to read through our game-by-game -game win win probability predictions. You, you'll you see, even though we have the Vikings as slightly better than the Bears, same tier, we have the Bears winning more games and finishing second in the division. It turns out when you win three games, you get an easier schedule the next year than a team like the Vikings who won 13 games. 
The Bears have one of the NFL's easiest schedules. Vikings are much more middle of the road. And on the margins, that definitely matters. I bet on Matt Eberflus to win coach of the year, too, at 18-1 to 1 a couple months ago. So I, I'm, I'm a Bulls bear this, this year. Yeah, we, we like the Bears. We like the Seahawks. We're, we're taking all these teams that in the past may have been questionable with offensive play calling. And turns out we are just in on these teams right now. Finally, finally, oh, finally, finally, everyone. I, you've been waiting, NFC South fans. It's time to talk about you. Next up, we have the Saints followed by the Falcons. Let's let's kind of tackle them separately, but together at the same time, because these these teams have by far the two easiest schedules in the NFL. It's not even close, actually. But out of my strength of schedule metric, their schedule is about like 15% easier than any other team out there. They're in the same division. Both would be third or fourth place teams in most divisions, but one of them is probably winning the NFC South. I mean, if we're talking about the Saints, to your point, if the Lions won nine games and the Saints won 11, would you think that the Saints are a more dangerous team than Detroit? I, I wouldn't. That's, you know, that said, like, you know, yeah. g- very good offensive line, top five o- offensive line. Derek Carr is an upgrade. We still don't know if Michael Thomas is still Michael Thomas. We don't know what Alvin Kamara's situation is. The pass rush is, you know, getting reduced in New Orleans. Uh, I think we have them tiered appropriately, even though they might win this division handily. Yeah, I think, though, one thing I'll add Derek Carr is an upgrade. However, Andy Dalton actually played like a top 10 quarterback last year by pretty much every metric. I'm not saying he's actually a top 10 quarterback, but you want to look at yards per attempt. You want to look at ESPN's QBR. You want to look at EPA per play. You want to look at Sports Info Solutions total points, PFF grade, pretty much anything you look at. Dalton was quite good last year. Do I think Carr is stable compared to Dalton? Absolutely. But expecting significantly better quarterback play, I think Saints fans would be discrediting what Dalton did last year too much. Let's turn to the Falcons. Atlanta's in an interesting position because, you know, we talked about the Bears being the most improved roster. I think Atlanta probably has the most improved defense. No, there's much like the Browns in a sense, the the Falcons season ultimately rests on how well Desmond Ritter plays. Obviously, he doesn't have the track record that Watson has as an NFL quarterback. But, you know, from a top 10 offensive line, quality young skill group, defense is more of a middle of the pack unit than a bottom five unit as they were last year. Atlanta's interesting. They can definitely challenge the Saints. Yeah, I think at the very least, they'll be fun. And if Desmond Ritter's even close to average, I think they steal this division as their roster is just a little bit more exciting, a little younger than the Saints. Next up is the Steelers. The Steelers still have not had that losing season in the past two decades. Why are we still not completely sold that this is one of the NFL's best rosters? Yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh does have a top 10 defense, definitely, when TJ Watt's healthy, at least. You know, they can they can hang with anyone in that regard. You know, on opening day last year, they basically made Joe Burrow's life miserable, so they're very impactful. I'm higher on Kenny Pickett than you are, but I don't think Kenny Pickett's, you know, like going to go in an arrowhead and outduel Patrick Mahomes anytime soon. Steelers' offensive line's better, so the offense should be a little bit better this year, more consistent at least. But again, the ceiling on a week-to-week basis in Pittsburgh offensively, they're, you know, they're more of a bottom 10 team than a top 10 team on that front. Let's talk about Kenny Pickett. He started 12 games as a rookie. Ryan, without looking, how many games do you think he threw for more than 200 passing yards out of those 12? I'd actually say three. Close. He threw for four games of 200 or more yards. Yeah. We're not, we're not saying Kenny Pickett cannot be good, but did he show, like you said, is he going to go into Arrowhead and put up even sort of a fight against Mahomes? No. This is not a team that was trusting him fully. If they truly trusted him, he would have had at least, I mean, more than four games of 200 passing yards. 
the these game plans were were not centered around Kenny Pickett and pushing the ball downfield. I think we both expect improvements in year two, but I'd say this is a team that's probably going to look pretty scary for 2024. Pickett seems like he is still at least one year away. Rounding out tier five is the New England Patriots, who have the hardest schedule in the NFL. I mean, Bill Belichick's defense is always a scary thing for everyone. They they're they don't have elite talent across the board, but they do have some difference makers like Ed Rusher, Matthew Judon. That if if New England's gonna sniff the playoffs this year, it's gonna be driven by their defense. But ultimately, again, you know, just like the Browns, just like with the Falcons, the, the success or failure of the Patriots twenty twenty three campaign boils down to Mac Jones. Mac Jones had a rock solid rookie year. Like we mentioned before, he had a pretty up and down sophomore campaign where you got to be questioning if you're a Patriots fan or a Patriot exec- executive if he's the future of the franchise at quarterback. I'm just going to read the Patriots schedule. Again, these tiers are schedule agnostic. They are division agnostic. But I think just for Patriots fans to understand why it's not happening this year, here, here are their home games. Buffalo, Miami, Jets. They play in maybe the best division in the NFL. They're probably losing those games. Even though those are home games, they're hosting all tier one, tier two teams. Home game against Indy. They should win. Home game against Washington. I think they win that. Home game against the Saints. Uh, that's kind of a toss-up. Their final three home games are the Chiefs, Chargers, and Eagles. You might say, well, it's okay. I'm sure their road games are much easier. Well, once again, they have to go on the road for the, the Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins, and the New York Jets. They also go on the road for the Dallas Cowboys and the Broncos. They go into the Raiders' dome, which is like by far their easiest road game. That's still not a gimme. And then they're on the road for the New York Giants and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the, what did we list? Three games there that I think they win. The Colts, the Commanders, and then maybe the Raiders? Eh, I, don't, I don't even know, though. It's, it's kind of like two gimme games, and that's about it. The, the Patriots are most likely going to have a pretty terrible record, probably worse than their actual talent level. One more reminder before we hit Tier 6 and start to scrape the bottom of the barrel. We have our win-loss predictions on the site. Check that out. Projected standings records for every team, strength of schedule, broken down to overall, home schedule, and away schedule. Ryan and I wrote up our outlook for every single team. So if you listen to the podcast, you enjoy it, you want even more content like this, check that out. And check out the process article where we essentially teach you how to make your own win totals. And you can see exactly how we've scored every single NFL game for 2023. Tier six, these are the, think of them as seller dwellers in an average division. You put these teams in an average division, they're probably finishing fourth. And if they finish third, that's a good productive season for them. The first team here, I think, can you just talk about Sam Howell and why the Washington Commanders should not be this elite team when you have Sam Howell at quarterback? Yeah, I mean, whenever you're marching out a fifth round quarterback, your expectations should be low. You know, (laughs) Washington's improved their offensive line, but they're still, you know, a middle of the pack unit at best. They have a solid skill skill group. Very good front four. Their secondary is better than it was. But ultimately, like, this isn't a top five, top ten roster. And why are we counting on Sam Howell to be anything more than a fifth-round pick? I mean, if if we're kind of on the fence about Desmond Ritter, why would we be more enthusiastic about Sam Howell? Yeah, Desmond Ritter was the same draft class. Sam Howell, they were both taken last year. Ritter went in round three. Sam Howell went round five. Unless I'm forgetting someone, the only round five onward quarterback that started games last year was Brock Purdy. There's a reason we all know who he is. It was wild that a seventh round pick was a competent, productive NFL starter. Am I forgetting anyone? I don't believe there were any round five, six or seven picks that were not Brock Purdy who started meaningful games last year. 
Skylar Thompson played a little bit for the Dolphins last year. I think he was a rookie, but like again, that was not a good experience for Dolphins fans. Yeah, I don't think the Dolphins were winning those games. So everyone out there that's no. that's trying to remember those games, those Skylar Thompson games, he was their third string quarterback for a reason. Sam Howell is now supposedly their week one starter. Ryan and I actually think Jacoby Brissett probably beats him out, but even still, we're going to evaluate this team as if it's Sam Howell because that's what Commanders fans want us to believe. And that's currently what they're signaling to the public is they are riding with fifth round pick Sam Howell. Let's now turn to the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, the Las Vegas Raiders won six games last year. They might have the NFL's worst secondary. It's at least bottom five. The pass rush is pretty good. The offensive line is questionable. Jimmy Garoppolo is almost certainly a downgrade from Derek Carr. Trusting that the offense is going to run through Devontae Adams, who turns 31 at the end of this year, with Jimmy Garoppolo and a bad offensive line, I'm not buying it. Josh Jacobs had 393 touches last year that led the NFL. The track record of running backs who lead the NFL in touches, they usually are not good the next year. They're generally not efficient, or they simply just get injured because they cannot hold up to 393 car collisions the year before. Outside of the, the pass rush, is there any redeeming quality with this overall Raiders team? Because they have a hard schedule. They play in a tough division. And on paper, this once again looks like an absolutely dreadful roster. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to talk about a long shot to be the first overall pick next year, I'd bet on the Raiders. And one of the primary reasons is that you touched on this. Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, his, his short stint with the Patriots and his career with the San Francisco 49ers, he's never played a single game of his NFL career find behind anything less than a top 10 offensive line that's not going to happen in, in vegas this year that's more of a bottom 10 group brian hoyer's the backup quarterback for for vegas there are a number of paths to this going to this situation this train falling off the tracks especially since josh mcdaniels didn't exactly inspire confidence in his first year with vegas either last year jimmy garoppolo can't stay healthy and that's again behind elite offensive lines He's going to take more hits this year. He's only older. His injury history only grows because every single year he gets injured. Brian Hoyer, most likely starting games for the Raiders sometime in 2023. Next up in this tier is the Los Angeles Rams. They won the Super Bowl. They were awesome. They were the lowest scoring team in the NFL last season. Injuries hit them. The roster's aging. Is there any hope for this Rams team? I mean, their core is fascinating still. You have Sean McVay, a coach. Matthew Stafford's a borderline Hall of Famer. Aaron Donald is maybe the best defensive tackle in the history of the game. And Cooper Cup might be the best route runner in the league. So that's a pretty good group to work with. But everything beyond that is average or worse. In particular, their offensive line last year was just terrible. And if that happens again, Matthew Stafford's a pure pocket passer. And this team's going to struggle again. Yeah, I think a, a fun stat for everyone out there. If you want to know how the, the Rams did, they were one of the worst pass defenses last year. They allowed 7.4 yards per attempt to opposing passers, the sixth highest mark, and they don't have Jalen Ramsey. Very good chance this is the worst secondary in the NFL for this upcoming season. Let's talk about the Tennessee Titans. Mike Vrabel has really gotten the most out of his squad. We both think the, the end has officially hit them. Why is that so? Yeah, I mean, they look like a team in transition to me. You know, they still have a, despite using a first round pick on a guard, they still have a bottom 10 offensive line. Derrick Henry's, you know, well, if you read the preparing for the playoffs article, Derrick Henry has a wonderful stretch through week 15 and 17. He can still get the job done, but he's getting up there in age. Beyond Traylon Burks, actually, I'll let, I'll let you say that one. I think you phrased that perfectly the other day. But, you know, on defense, they have a terrible pass defense. Their pass rushes, you know, a top 10 type unit. Mike Rabel's among the best coaches and strategists in the, in the league. 
But from a pure talent perspective, Tennessee is their general manager got fired in season last year for a reason. The receiving core is very interesting. We have last year's first round pick Traylon Burks. The rest of the roster is practice squad or worse caliber receivers. Nick Westbrook Akine is this team's wide receiver too. Kyle Phillips is this team's wide receiver three. It wouldn't shock me if there's listeners to this show who were not fully familiar with either of those names, and that's okay. These players, when I say practice squad caliber, I mean there's a chance they would not make rosters on other teams. Josh Palmer is the Chargers wide receiver four. He would be the clear-cut wide receiver two by leaps and bounds were he on the Titans. Sure would. So we, we cannot say it's the worst receiver group in the league. That belongs to a team we'll discuss shortly, thanks to Traylon Burks. But should he get injured, this could be the, the worst receiving core pretty much in history. It'll be kind of like the Bears, where I think last year we thought the Bears at times, once Mooney got injured, when Claypool wasn't fully acclimated still, we thought this might be the worst receiver group that we've seen in the past decade. Burks gets injured and the Titans immediately are in that conversation. Next up is Carolina Panthers. Bryce Young, they took him at pick one. That's very exciting. Why is this team not quite there yet? Yeah, this this is one we got some blowback on uh, on on Twitter. I mean, you know, solid offensive line, middle of the pack type group. Their defense is solid too. They won a nice run at the end of last year. Frank Reich's a good football coach, you know. But here's the thing: they're probably going to start the season with Andy Dalton at quarterback, and they'll play Bryce Young when he's ready. That'll probably be early. But I don't think this team's winning any games with Andy Dalton. Bryce Young's a good player, bright future for the Carolina Panthers. But when you look at their skill group, we're talking bottom five ish type type unit so i don't think this offense is gonna have a ton of firepower and i don't exactly view the defense as a dominant unit i did a, a brief study rookie quarterbacks over the past 10 seasons have started just over 450 games that's a big sample they have won 36 percent of them translate that to 17 games that is a 6 and 11 record and i think that's kind of a fair benchmark for the panthers i understand bryce oh bryce young's different though he's so much better well he actually wasn't even the favorite to go first overall until about a week before the NFL draft. This is not a Trevor Lawrence can't miss type prospect. He's probably going to be playing at 190 pounds in the NFL. We've seen how the, the schedule has worn down players like Kyler Murray that are also of slight stature. There, there, There is a ceiling to this team. We're acknowledging it. Decent offensive line, decent defense. Bryce Young is probably good, at least for this season, almost certainly not. And routing out this tier, one of the interesting teams... They've been really, really good for many, many years until last year. The wheels began to fall off. They are still falling off more because Aaron Rodgers is no longer a Green Bay Packer. I mean, I think the reality of the situation is that Aaron Rodgers made a lot of people money over the last decade and a half. Um, <laughs> the 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 move to Jordan Love, I mean, even if Jordan Love kills it, is we're talking about Aaron Rodgers, one of the five best quarterbacks ever played the game. So on offense, we should expect struggle this year in Green Bay. Now, if you're talking about a path of success for the Packers, they do have a ton of talent on defense where they could be a top five unit if they play to their potential. They did not last year. They were very disappointing on that side of the ball, I'd, I'd go as far as to say. But they play top five level defense. They play up to their capability there. And Green Bay runs a ball control type offense, leans on Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon more often than not. They could they could be like an eight-ish win team. I think that's well said. Uh, for people out there betting... They have the worst division odds on DraftKings, but they actually have the second best division odds on FanDuel. So if you have a strong stance on the Packers, I would recommend betting on them on one of those two sites if you really like them. And uh, I think it's pretty obvious that site should then be DraftKings. Much longer odds. Let's move to Tier 7. There's only two teams in it. We called this uh, future is bright, present is murky. I don't think we need to spend too much time on them. 
We'll start off with the Colts. This is a transition year. Explain what Colts fans should look forward to in that transition year. Yeah, I mean, new head coach Steichen did a great job bringing Jalen Hurts along. I'd be very excited about his ability to get a similar outcome out of Anthony Richardson, who is an absolute freak athlete. I could see it starting to trend upwards towards the end of the year. In fact, in preparing for the playoffs, Anthony Richardson has an interesting Week 17 matchup that you should that you should check out. But, you know, overall, like this is a team that's going to win five or six games in a best-case scenario. Anthony Richardson played one year in college. His passing efficiency was not even very good. I've seen comparisons to Cam Newton. Yeah. People should look at Cam Newton's college efficiency in college before being the first overall pick in the NFL. Cam Newton was averaging nearly 11 yards per pass attempt. Anthony Richardson significantly lower. While they may be similar runners, Richardson even a slight edge potentially with the athleticism. Expecting Cam Newton's rookie season, I you are setting yourself up to be incredibly disappointed. Let's talk about the Texans. 100% agree there. Something people might forget about Cam Newton is that he won a national title with Auburn too. Yes, they are completely different prospects in terms of what they did at the college level. Well, we'll close out tier seven with the Texans. Ryan and I recommended very, very heavily betting their over five and a half wins. That has now risen to six and a half. We're going to pat ourselves on the back. Closing line value doesn't pay the bills, but it does stroke the ego. What should we expect from this, this Texans team that should once again be bad, but at least has set themselves up for potential future success. Yeah, I mean, we bet on that because we thought it was too low and we were right. Like you said, back back pat for myself too. I think if you're the Texans, I think the thing I'd be most excited about is their offensive line has some top 10 potential with the addition of Shaq Mason at guard. Laramie Tunsil at left tackles, you know, as good as it gets really. Titus Howard at right tackle. Green at left guard or two first round picks that could take the leap forward. Pair that with, C- with CJ Stroud, who's a, a traditional pocket passer and that's a really good foundation for his long-term outlook. But as I'm sure Josh is going to talk about, the skill group in Houston is a little dicey. This is the worst receiving core in the NFL. And I think the the way to illustrate what the the Ryan has said, it is a monumental downgrade in supporting cast. That's what he wrote in our rookie draft guide. We did a way too early 2024 mock draft from the scouting department at the 33rd team. Marvin Harrison Jr. went pick three. Amike Igbuke went pick 12. Those were both C.J. Stroud's receivers last year at Ohio State. So you're telling me that he was playing with two top yeah. 15 picks, and now he will be playing with, <laughs> I don't know, Ryan, is is Nico Collins their wide receiver one? Maybe. Could we? Are we even allowed to legally label anyone on this roster as the wide receiver one at this point? No, I mean, it might be Dalton Schultz by default, but no, we're not allowed to talk about a wide receiver <laughs> one on the Texans right now. Yeah, I think we should never say wide receiver one. I, right as I was saying that, I was like, you know what? We should just talk about their starting receivers <laughs> because Nico Collins, uh, was it Robert Woods? Yeah. Uh, Nathaniel Dell, John Mechie. I mean, my goodness. There, there is a serious lack of playmakers. Let's turn to tier eight. We labeled this tier. Here comes Caleb Williams. For those unfamiliar, people call him the next Patrick Mahomes. You can decide yourself whether that's hyperbolic or not. He is pretty much a perfect quarterback prospect. Trevor Lawrence plus type in terms of the general profile. He, assuming he stays healthy this year, he'll go pick one overall next year. I am sure we'll see some teams start to tank towards the end of the season in preparation for him. The team at the top of this tier, there's two teams in it, is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers fans don't like to hear this. They have such a good roster. You don't understand. Have you seen how good our roster is? Well, I watched this team last year. The Rams had catastrophic injuries to everybody. Matthew Stafford didn't play. Cooper Cup didn't play. Allen Robinson didn't play. The whole offensive line was injured and terrible. 
That is the only team that scored fewer points than the Buccaneers. That is right. The Buccaneers with Tom Brady, with Mike Evans, with Chris Godwin scored the second fewest points in the NFL last season. And you're now trying to convince me that this will be a functional offense going from Tom Brady to Baker Mayfield. Talk to us about the defense because the offense may be the lowest scoring offense in the NFL. What should we hope for on defense where there's a couple pieces, but it, it's still shaky. Yeah, I mean, the front four Vita Vey is a, an immovable object. They, they have some talent there. Their edge rush duos on the weaker side. I'd call that more of an average unit. Good linebacker duo, but it seems like both of those players are unhappy entering the season. The secondary is good, but not great. You know, a solid defense that's paired with, you know, here's one of the burdens of watching every snap of every game for almost a decade is I can compare every team visually to every team over that span. And I don't know how anyone in their right mind can think that this offense that struggled so much with Tom Brady last year to the point where, like, they forced that maniac into retirement last year. He probably would have played till he probably would have played till he was fifty if things were going well in Tampa Bay. He went into <laughs> retirement and now we're going with Baker Mayfield. And I just don't understand under any circumstance how this team's gonna be equal or better than what they were last year. For those of you that also, if you say, Oh, that's truly a hot take, well, hit the betting markets. Prove us wrong. They have the second worst odds to win the Super Bowl. We think deservedly so. If you strongly disagree, then you can support your incorrect opinion with your financial self. The last team, I think a lot of people saw this coming. Talk to us about why Arizona Cardinals fans are in for a world of pain in 2023. I mean, they had a very good draft this year, and them them obtaining the Texans' first first round pick next year was, I mean, everyone should be talking about backpats, Josh. They should all be backpatting each other on yes. that. But, you know, they have to undo a lot of mediocre roster building over the last several years because Kyler Murray hasn't really been all that well supported in his career. Sure, the 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 Cardinals have some pretty good wide receivers but the offensive line has been terrible. I mean, and then on top of it, like Colt McCoy looks like the opening day starter and Kyle Murray's going to miss, what, eight, 10 games this year? And in that scenario, like how does this team really beat anyone with Colt, Colt McCoy at the helm? Yeah, I'd say if you're a Cardinals fan, there's two storylines to look forward to that Ryan hinted at. One of them would be what's going on with Kyler Murray versus them potentially picking at number one overall next year. Very interesting. And then the other one will be you should all root against the Texans because you have their first round pick. And as we talked about, we think the Texans are going to be pretty bad this year. We took their over on five and a half wins because we thought they'd win six games. It's still a terrible team. You have their pick backpats, like Ryan said. Reminder everyone to subscribe to this podcast, no. leave it five stars if possible on Apple or Spotify. And there's six articles on the site that you should be checking out. We have our win loss predictions for every single team, writing up their strength of schedule, writing up their outlook. We have a process article where you can see exactly how we came up with every single win total and every single win probability for every single 272 games for 2023. Division bets, win total bets to take based on that information and research. The top 10 head coach candidates to potentially get fired that Ryan wrote up based on early season schedules. The easiest early season fantasy schedules for those that play fantasy football and want to know some offenses to target. And then Ryan also wrote up preparing for the playoffs weeks 15, 16, and 17. It's the most comprehensive look in the industry right now at understanding potential streamers to prepare for potential matchups to target. Make sure that you're checking all of this out. All of these articles are free on the33rdteam.com. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Ryan and I will be back Monday to break down the nuances of the NFL schedule. Ryan, let's leave the audience one little schedule quirk 
that you found very interesting during your late night sleepless research from yesterday? <laughs> I mean, a lot of people were very pointed to the Eagles' easy schedule last year as a reason for their success. I got bad news for you guys. Philly looks like they have a 4-0 start on their table based on the schedule. 